Welcome to Verity. I'm your host, Felicia Masonheimer, an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. This podcast will help you embrace the history and depth of the Christian faith, ask questions, seek answers, and devote yourself to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for watered-down Christian teaching. And if you're ready to go deeper, God is just as ready to take you there. This is Verity, where every woman is a theologian. Okay, guys, Felicia Masonheimer here. We're going to be interviewing Amy Ford from Embrace Grace. Thank you for having me on. Yes, of course. So I know a lot of my audience are excited to meet you and to hear your story and just to talk with you tonight. And so I know that Embrace Grace is probably new to many of them. And I would just love for them to start out hearing a little bit about you, your story, and what inspired Embrace Grace. And then maybe we'll move into more of the specific questions based on based on all of that and your experience. So would you tell us who you are and what you're so passionate about? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my name is Amy Ford, and I lead a ministry called Embrace Grace. And the reason why I started it is tied to my story. But I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19. I was super scared. I grew up in a great home, Christian home, but I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. And so I knew abortion was, wasn't something that I ever wanted to do in my life. But in that moment, I was terrified. I would fear makes you do crazy things. And, you know, I was so scared. I was scared to tell my parents. I was scared that my friends would leave. I was scared my life was over. And so me and the father of the baby, we kind of felt both the same way. And so we went to the abortion clinic. We paid for it. We just thought, you know, this is like a quick fix and, you know, we'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. And when I had really like stuffed down all my feelings and emotions. And so whenever in that room, when they were kind of describing how they do everything, every, like I just, I hyperventilated and passed out in the abortion room. And when I came to, the nurses were fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water. And they said, the nurse said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not having an abortion. And so I went back out in the waiting room and I call him my baby daddy. We're actually married now. We've been married for 22 years, but my baby daddy, he was out there and he could see my face was swollen. I had been crying a lot and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, like we're going to have to figure this out together. And if we're going to be homeless, you know, all the things that we thought it was going to be, we're just going to figure it out. So we told our parents it wasn't as bad as we thought. And they definitely were disappointed in the timing, but the enemy lies to you in those situations and makes it way worse than it was. And we had been together for about four years. We knew we wanted to get married someday. And so we just went ahead and decided, let's go ahead and get married. And we, we, I, we got married when I was 16 weeks pregnant. And we had asked the man that had led my husband to the Lord years before, a man that Ryan looked up to so much and loved so much. We asked him if he would marry us. And he said, no, I'm sorry. I won't marry you because you've sinned and I can't bless this marriage. And we were just like, oh my gosh, we're such horrible people. We can't even, you know, get, be blessed and, you know, get married and, and have find favor in the eyes of God, you know, with this marriage. And um, we found someone else that would marry us, but it was, it was a beautiful wedding, but it definitely felt like a scarlet letter, like a, a, a um, it just felt so much shame. 
during that. And we try to go back to church, but it's like the elephant in the room. People don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. And they just don't say anything. And you feel alone in a crowd of people. And that is the way I felt. And, you know, I'm a super extrovert. I have a lot of friends. So it's kind of obvious when all of my friends kind of are distancing themselves. And so we kind of just didn't like the way it felt when we went. So we stopped going for a long time. And, but one thing that's cool is that pastor that wouldn't marry us, that my husband loved so much. He called my husband been two years later out of the blue and he asked for forgiveness. He said that he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history he had ever made. And will my husband forgive him? And my husband was like, yes, of course, you know, I forgive you. And they still to this day are such great friends. And he lives about four hours away, but they talk all the time and are so close. And he's so close to our family. He's amazing. And uh, we ended up having a son, Jess, and he is awesome. He's actually 22 and he just graduated from Oral Roberts University and he majored in theology. He's getting his master's now and he has a heart for the Lord and he's just awesome. He just got married in July and I'm just so proud of him. And it's, it's just crazy to think that it was so close that he isn't, he wouldn't be here. And uh, one thing that's cool though, is that when he turned 16, that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he asked us to come to his church. We're in the Dallas, Fort Worth area, but he's in Austin. So he asked us to go and he, he had and speak about embrace grace, pro love, all the things. And so he was very open with his congregation before I had got there. He said, he told them what he had done years before. He said he had a religious spirit, a Pharisee heart. And this is what I did, you know, all these years ago, but now there's embrace grace and all that. So I came, I spoke, I did my thing. But afterwards he asked me to come back on the platform and he asked my son, Jess, my 16 year old to come on the platform. And he was like, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, will you forgive me for what I I did years ago? And I was like, yes, of course. Like I forgave you a long time ago and don't even really think about it much anymore. Like, yes. And, but then he looked at my son 16 in front of the whole church. And he said, Jess, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart? before you were ever even born. And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16, in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment in that room. Like you could feel church wounds being lifted. Like it was just like the fact that the pastor would humble himself in that way was just so beautiful and amazing and even really healing for Jess because he, we told him his story when he was 13, because that was when my first book came out and I was going to be on, you know, James Robinson, Focus on the Family, all these different things. And so I knew he, I had to tell him. So we took him to the Cheesecake Factory. I have four kids now. And so it's, it's weird when you take only one kid, like he, yeah. he knew something was up. And so we went to Cheesecake Factory and I had all my friends praying because I was so scared that he was going to take it as rejection. Like, I'm like, you know, we were dumb kids. We didn't know. God knew what we needed and we just didn't know, you know, it was just fear and all that. So we told him everything. And, you know, he's a typical 13 year old boy. We're like, how does this make you feel? You know, how, you know, do you know, we love you and all this. And he just was kind of like, uh, you know, he didn't really give us much to go on. But I found out later that really over the next six months, he really struggled with his identity. The enemy was lying to him. Like you weren't, you weren't ever even supposed to be here and no one wanted you and Mm -hmm. all this stuff, even though he knew without a shadow of a doubt that we love him so much, it still was just these thoughts, you know, that the enemy was trying to lie to him about. And 
So he kind of struggled. And one day the youth group asked him if he would speak five minutes on how he's an overcomer. He could talk about whatever he wants for five minutes. What has he overcome in his life? And he was like praying and thinking about it. And he came into my room one night and he's like, mom, I think I got it. And let me know what you think. And he said that I feel like the Lord was talking to me, you know, with this. And he said, I was an overcomer before I was ever even born and that Satan had a plan to take me out. But I'm here and I'm going to use my life to change the world. And I was like, boom, that is amazing. And, you know, one word from God can do more than what years of counseling can do. You know, that moment, there was a lot of healing. And then even more so when he turned 16 with the pastor, you know, and all of that. And now he actually even works in the pro-life movement right now, which is really cool. He's a writer. He writes for Focus on the Family and some other um, in their pro-life division. And he writes copy and social media for pregnancy centers and things like that. Like he's just passionate and amazing. And so going through all of that, it really has helped me realize the power that the church has in this area. Like, you know, I grew up in church my whole life and it was never even a thought that crossed my mind when I found out I was pregnant. Maybe I should go to the church and ask them for help, wisdom, prayer, guidance, you know, whatever. Like it was the last place I ever thought, you know, to go to in that situation. If the church was different, if the church could, you know, we're so a lot of times known more for what we're against than what we're for. Mm -hmm. And we want to be known more for our love. And so, you know, if I had just thought, you know, that why would I need to go to abortion clinic when there's so many great resources out there, things, it would have looked a little different. And so that is really why we started Embrace Grace. And I know one time I was talking to this girl, she's a pro-life atheist out in San Francisco. She's a friend of mine. And she asked me to speak at Berkeley and she was going to have pro-life speakers all day. And I was like, I, I will, I'm sure, you know, I'll talk, but you know, I talk about God and I talk about the church and like, is that going to be an issue for you because you're an atheist? And she's like, yeah, I don't believe in your God, but I believe in the power of your people. And if you could get your people to actually do something, this issue wouldn't be an issue anymore. I was like, wow. Like that is so true. There's over 300,000 churches in America. Like if we all were doing something, we could make abortion unthinkable and it's good to vote, you know, for life and and doing, but like, if we, if we can make abortion unthinkable, it would make an even bigger impact just because, you know, if a girl finds out she's pregnant and she doesn't want to be, and she doesn't have access to an abortion. And then she goes to the church and the church is like, good luck. Hope it works out for you. We don't have a place for you here. And there's, you know, that we can't just, we can't do that. We can't just send them on their way. Like we have to be able to help physically, practically, and emotionally and empower them to want to have their baby, whether they place for adoption or parent, like what does that look like to empower her in that and to make it unthinkable? Like, why would I need to? There's so many great resources out there that can help me. And I know I won't be alone and that the church will walk alongside me and help get me back on my feet. And so that is what Embrace Grace is. We have support groups in churches all over the nation for these girls. So sometimes it's word of mouth. Sometimes it is through pregnancy centers, they refer their clients to the churches for more support, but they get community. They get um, these small groups, they find community, they are discipled, they are loved on, they get baby showers. 
tons of free mm-hmm. stuff. The church all comes together and buys her all kinds of stuff. And then they have a princess day at the end of the semester. And it's all about her identity and her value and her worth. Like if I could put it down into one thing, like identity seems to be the biggest issue with all of these moms yeah. of like just not knowing why they're here and how important and priceless they are and that they were created and their baby was created and, and all of that. So that's what we want to drill into their hearts and, and just really empower them. Like, that's what I feel like feminism is. Feminism isn't, you know, you're going to have to drop out of school and you to have this baby and you're going to have to, that's the anti-feminism. Feminism is you mm-hmm. can have your baby in your dreams too. Yes. It might be hard. It might take a little longer, but you are strong. You are a woman. And with God, yes. you can do all things, you know, and he can help you along the way. And that is what true feminism is, is empowering women, not disempowering women. Wow. That is just amazing. Like I was starting to cry at one point <laughs> and wanting to cheer at another point. Mm-hmm. It's just so powerful, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. So you, you made me think of, as you were talking you made me think of something when you talked about coming alongside them, making abortion unthinkable. I know that, especially right now in the political climate, a lot of what's being said is revolving around the abortion as a voting issue, like you mm-hmm. said, like a political issue and who you're voting for, et cetera, engaging on the federal level, if you will. But a lot of us are in actual, you know, real life communities with these young women. And so I guess my question is then, how does this, well, first, how does this pro-life movement extend beyond just the decision to have the baby? Because I I know this is something that I'm hearing from a lot of more progressive um, sides is that the evangelical community is pretty much just about having the baby and like nothing else. That's all we hear about. So how does being pro-life extend beyond that? Well, I don't blame them for saying that because I actually had no idea that there was a pro-life movement. Like I grew up in church my entire life and had no idea that there was a pro-life movement. I, if, if I thought, if someone said those words pro-life movement, I thought, I would think, okay, that's probably picketers, you know, outside abortion clinics, because that's all the media likes to show, you know? And so that's what I would naturally think. And I remember, um, you know, and even when we started Embrace Grace, we never thought we're starting a pro-life organization because I just didn't even know that was a thing. Like I thought I want to start an organization that helps women with unplanned pregnancies. And when my first book came out, I was invited to speak at this conference and it was a pro-life conference. And now looking back, like, I can't believe that I had never heard of them, but I had never heard of them and got there. Thousands of people were there and there were, um, hundreds of vendors and the vendors were pro-life organizations that were boots on the ground, like really doing the hard work in the movement of, of helping these women along the way. And not only just their pregnancy, but as a single mom, empowering her, there's grants and there's, it was just, I was, I could not believe that I, how did I go to church my whole life? and had no idea all of this stuff was there. Like if I had known all of this stuff was there, then I might not have even had the first thought of having an abortion. Like 
there's so many great resources, but no one really talks about them. No one really knows about them. And in in fact, my book, Help Her Be Brave, that I just wrote, it has over 300 ideas of how people can get involved in the movement. And, And when I say movement, it isn't just pregnancy. It is single moms. And but we have also a Helper Be Ray podcast show and we just filmed 13 episodes in the last two days. So I literally just finished uh, right before. Wow. I so we uh, highlighted 13 organizations that are doing stuff. And they were, I mean, there was the uh, prevention side with the sex trafficking. There was, there was just all kinds of stuff like college grant organizations for specifically mm-hmm. for single moms, childcare organizations that help single moms get back on their feet, uh, cars, like helping single moms get cars. I mean, there's so many great things. And, but I love what I love the most though, about the pro-life movement is the church is forever. Like we, as you know, when we invite these girls to come into church, we're not inviting them to come just to an Embrace Grace group. We are inviting them to be a part of a spiritual family. And we're inviting them to do life with us for the rest of their lives, if they'll allow it, you know, because that's what church is. And we don't kick each other when we're down. We pick each other up when we fall. And I just interviewed one um, Embrace Grace alumni that was from 10 years ago. And she had been trafficked when she was 17. She was a prostitute, all kinds of stuff, and ended up getting a felony and just for 10 years was in the system. And she then finally broke free and, but she ended up getting pregnant. So she decided to come back home. And the first day she got home, she went to church with her family. She hadn't been in church in years and she was scared with the pregnancy. She went down front for prayer and told her they were pregnant. They said, we have an embrace grace group and a new semester starts in two days. We would love for you to join. She called me right from that church lobby. This was 10 years ago. And I remember her, she was so amazing. And so she got through embrace grace. She got all her baby stuff that she needed. She had so much debt. She had, she just was in, she had, she didn't even have a GED or a GED at that point because she dropped out when she left when she was 17. But all this to say is she got an embrace grace, but then started getting involved in a single parent family and doing life with our church. And it was amazing to see the reflection of the whole process because she's like, all my baby stuff were covered, baby items were covered in embrace grace. Then I went on to single parent families and they gave me a car. She said it was a Volkswagen Passat with 200,000 miles on it. And it was all I had. And it was where I could get to school. They helped me get my GED. And then they gave me a grant where they um, were giving her $1,500 a month to go towards her bills so she could go to school plus her tuition. And she did that and she got her college degree and her master's. And now she's going to be an attorney. And now she's like the director of a trafficking organization. And she is advocating. She's speaking in front of police officers, training them on how to get girls out of the industry. I mean, so much. And And the biggest thing that I'm just like so blown away about is that right before Trump it was done. It was like December 29th or 30th, something like that of this past year. She got a presidential pardon for her felony from Trump. And so he lifted it because he saw all of the great things that was happening. And, And now she like, I just went to her presidential pardon party and it was so fun. And she had girls that were trafficking victims that she had helped get back on their feet and sat in court cases with them. And they were just all, everybody got a chance to talk about how she has changed our lives. And I just started thinking about, I wonder if the guy that donated the 200,000 mile car, like, I wonder if he knows that he changed the world. You know, just like it took a village. She talked about it. She had a pro bono attorney 
that helped her. And the prosecutor that that actually arrested her and took her to uh, and charged her with felony, he was at the party and he spoke about how her life had changed. Like, I'm just so amazed, like all of these people that rallied around her, it wasn't one person that made an impact on her life. It was everyone, the body of Christ, which is so beautiful, that helped her to get where she is today. And that's what the kingdom is supposed to look like. That is what church is. And that is how we can help make abortion unthinkable is just all of us using the strengths, gifts that we each of us have in our heart, whatever resources in our hand, maybe it's a 200,000 mile car, you know, maybe you're really, maybe you are an attorney, maybe you're a counselor. She talked about at church, she did amending the soul. And that is like a super inner healing, like powerful program that's like goes to the root of stuff. And she's like, I got so much healing in that church that helped me with where I am today. It's just, it's just awesome. If we're all doing it right, you know, and really like in doing what we have in our hand, what we have in our heart, the strings and gifts that God put inside of us to do the good work that he's called us to do. We can make abortion unthinkable together. And I always say pro-life is a stance, but pro-love is an action. And it's the action. It's God's kindness that leads us to changes hearts. That is what changes lives and changes minds. And so I think we really do have a shot at, at reducing the abortion rate immensely just by the church welcoming and opening, opening our arms to these girls and welcoming them in and saying, we'll walk with you. And no mom has to ever walk alone. Oh. That is so powerful. So, so beautiful. So I have a question related to that. As we are walking with these young women, you were talking about how much shame you felt coming back into the church as a young woman who was pregnant out of wedlock. People knew it. I have quite a few young women in my community, some who have walked this road or maybe walking this road right now. So when you talk about shame culture and how it affects unmarried mothers, women who've had abortions. How does the church change that? How do we change this shame culture when, like, clearly the church has a sexual ethic, right? But one of the problems, you know, we see here is it's almost as if, you know, the only time that we suddenly, you know, douse people with conviction on this is when there's evidence of a baby mm-hmm. being born and not before. So how can we change that? How can we, how can we do that in a healthy way instead of a shameful way? Yeah, well, it's hard because I don't oh, know. One time this lady came up to me and she's like, I'm struggling with the fact that y'all give them baby showers. Like maybe they deserve gently used stuff and, and all of that. And I was like, have you read the prodigal son? You know, like if you think about, you know, they're, they're two, the, the boy that the son that went off and spent all his dad's money, he was with prostitutes and, and all of that. And he decided to come back home. But my favorite part of the passage is it says, and while he was a long way off, the father ran to him and he had his servants put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger. And he said, son, I'm so glad you were lost and now you're found in your home. And a lot of these girls are still a long way off, but they've, they're coming to church. Like they've turned toward their heavenly father. They're listening and opening their hearts to him. And we can be like the brother that's like, well, that's not fair. Like she doesn't deserve all this stuff and the shower, you know, and all that. Or, you know, and if in the, the father told the other brother, he's like, son, 
everything that I have is yours. You have everything that you need in me. So come and let's celebrate that your brother was lost and now he's found. And, you know, it does who knows if he ever did. And so who are, are we the brother? Are we part of throwing the party? And that's yeah. what I feel like the baby showers are. It's their big prodigal parties. But the issue with shame is that the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. There's no difference. So these women are, are getting abortions and they're in our pews and one in four women and men have experienced an abortion. So that's a lot. And they're sitting in our pews and I'm not, I don't think that pastors need to do a whole sermon on abortion. You know, that's not really necessary, but even just saying the word and saying that there's healing and hope for you. And that if you have an unpaid pregnancy, our doors are open to you. And I, I remember one time I spoke at a conference and it was like an interview thing. And there were, it was an arena of 10,000 women. And at the very end, the lady that was interviewing me, she was like, Amy, thank you so much. You know, I talked about, you know, girls that choose life are great, blah, 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 all the stuff that I do. But the Lord, like, just at the end, she was like, thank you so much for being here. And I was like, hang on, I want to say one more thing. I said, there's 10,000 women in this arena. And that means that at least 2,500 of you have experienced an abortion. And I just want you to know that you're not disqualified from ministry, that you are qualified, that God loves you. He wants to heal your heart. Even starting this weekend at this big conference, he wants to heal your heart. And that uh, Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, like sharing your story. You don't have to keep it inside anymore. Ask for healing. There are healing groups and churches all over the nation. In fact, at Gateway, which is where I go, there's healing groups. Get connected. It was like 30 seconds. Like that was it. And I went back to our booth. We had two booths at this arena because it's such a big arena. And after my session, it was like we were inundated with women. Mascara, wow. you know, and, and some of them would talk, some of them wouldn't. But there was one specific one that I was wrecked. She, it was her and her two sisters, and they were all wearing matching T-shirts. And and they were like doing a fun, like girls, you know, conference weekend. And they, the girl in the middle, the sister in the middle, they could, they were like holding her up. Like they could barely, like they were just kind of carrying her almost to, to me. And they were like, she's, she was bawling. And they said she was very touched by what you said. And she really asked to come talk to you. And so I kind of gave her a moment to like collect her emotions. And I will never forget. She looked at me in the eyes and tears down her face. And she said, you mean to tell me that God can use me? And it was like, it had never crossed her mind that she could be used by God in some way because of her abortion decision. And how many years has she believed that lie? And how many years have the women and men that are sitting in our pews have believed that lie, that this is the unforgivable sin when God does forgive? And it's amazing. I feel like if we can help set these women and men free, it's going to be a revival in our churches because we actually have yeah. a ton of embrace grace leaders, not by any pursuing on our own will, but that, but that are post-abortive and lead embrace grace. It's and, and not all, but probably more than half. 
And I think that I've talked to many of them and they just said, I want to be the person I wish I had in my life years ago when I made that decision. And that is what we all need to do. What, what do we need in this season? Who did we need during that time in our life? And how can we be the change we want to see in the world? And helping set these people free that every church needs to have abortion healing groups. Um, there's great curriculum that's out there. If anyone's watching, supportafterabortion.com is so amazing because they're kind of like a, a concierge, I think, of like abortion healing because you could go fill out their stuff and you're like, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I would rather do something in my own home by myself, like maybe watching something. I don't want to be around people or I want a small group or I want at a church or I want a retreat. There's there's abortion healing retreats. I'm Catholic. I'm Protestant. Whatever it is, you answer all these questions and they tell you and you tell them what area you're in and they connect you to an abortion healing program that's a good fit for you. And they're just so awesome. So if anyone's out there, start with that and then jump into the movement and be the change that you want to see in the world. And also one other thing, I noticed someone asked a question about, um, and I think this is a super important question. If women that choose abortion should be criminalized. And um, a lot of people have struggled with voting a certain way because they're like, they shouldn't go to jail, you know, for, for having an abortion. And so my thoughts are no, that they shouldn't be criminalized. I think the doctors should be criminalized, but the girls, they're just scared. Like they need counseling, they need help and, and hope. And so, no, I don't, I don't think that at all. Like that doesn't help anything, you know, to put someone that just had an abortion in jail. I would never right. want that. Yeah. The, the fear, the uncertainty, the lack of resources, there's so right. many driving factors there that, mm-hmm. that led to that decision that, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes perfect sense. So a lot of times when we talk about this, we talk about it in terms of women, but what about how men can get involved? Because I have a couple of questions with this actually, because um, you said that you married your baby daddy. Mm-hmm. So you got married while you're pregnant. And do you think for the women who, who they don't stay with their baby daddy, who they're not, or they can't marry him, he's an unsafe person, or maybe they were raped for those women, like what, what does it look like to support them since they don't have this man in their life? And then I guess with that, how can men also get involved in being pro-life and pro-women? Well, with supporting the women, I mean, Embrace Grace, I would say like, I'm actually about to go into group tonight um, here in a little bit. I'm leading a group too. And most all of them, one, one was baby dad was murdered in October. She's totally alone, still wearing her engagement ring. The other ones, the ones that look like they're involved are kind of looking like they maybe shouldn't be, or, or they just need some help and help themselves. But most of them, all I have to say is most of them that go through Embrace Grace are totally alone. And that is just community is so helpful for them to know that there's another person here that is going through the same thing that we are. And even with inviting girls to Embrace Grace, it's kind of interesting because I like have a radar. I find them everywhere. And I, um, I always invite them to church and they always think there's like strings attached to like, they're like, wait, you want me to go to a church? Like, I don't know about that. And I hate that, you know, they, they, that they, they don't feel welcome or, or they don't feel comfortable coming, you know, right at the very beginning. It takes a lot of encouragement and text and things like that. Um, but we're very strategic because at the first class, when we do finally get them to come, um, we all the leaders share our stories and we're very vulnerable with, you know, our stories. And so 
we we talk about it and 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 tell everything and it's funny because after class i'll be i'll hear him say well you know that lady's story was way worse than my story. Like if that, if God did that for her, then maybe God will do that for me too. And if she can mm-hmm. like talk about that kind of stuff in church, then like maybe I can talk about my stuff that I'm struggling with yeah. as well. And it's like their walls immediately start coming down and they'll say stuff yeah. like, oh, you were going to tell me I was a bad person and that I was going to go to hell and that my life was over and all this stuff. Like that's what they mm-hmm. think church is. That is horrible. Like mm-hmm. they think it's about behavior modification when it's really about a heart right. transformation. And, but then after that, then they're like in, then they are, are totally all about it. But it's, I think that it helps when we are very vulnerable and sharing our own, that they realize it's a safe place for them to go to. Yeah. But well, that's support. like what you said mm-hmm. about the, that we're overcoming by the word of our testimony. Yes. That it, the power of your story it's is huge. what the spirit uses to help show people he'll do that for me too. Yeah. And it's healing the person that's sharing their story because yeah. what we bring into the light is what God heals and what we keep in, in darkness or shame, you know, shame isolates. And so what we isolate or keep in darkness is what the enemy will torment us with. So telling our story is super powerful and healing. Um, so, you know, the support of the church and just walking alongside her is huge. And, and for dads, we actually are launching this month, I think in a week or so embrace legacy, which is our new single dads, uh, program, which we're really excited about for the dads. So lots of men can get involved that way. And I think there are a lot of men that have shied away from the pro-life movement only because you hear the other side and it's like my body, my choice. And, very like woman centric um, conversations and, and things, but they actually do have a big role because even if you look at the top five reasons why women have abortions, one of the top five reasons is the guy. And um, whether, and and most of it is, I've heard so many girls say like, if if he would have just been around, like co-parented with me, not necessarily you know, if the relationship just isn't going to work out, if he would, would yeah. have just said, I'm doing this with you, we're going to be okay, then they wouldn't have made their abortion decision. And so they do have a very strong voice, more than they, I think they even know. And um, I remember one time um, I, it was a pregnant, it was an embrace group out in like Lubbock, Texas or something. And I had gone to visit the leaders and they were saying that the pastor comes on the princess day. And when they come, they, he serves them their food. He prays over them and he's a male pastor. And one time they were telling me about one girl who she was deaf in one ear because she had been beaten so bad by her boyfriend that they could, she couldn't hear. She was deaf. And what she had said afterwards, after they had the meal and everything, they kind of went around and talked about like their favorite parts of embrace grace. But one of the things she said was, I want to marry a guy like that. And she said, I know that sounds really weird. And I don't mean you, you know, she's pointing to the pastor. She said, I've never seen a man pray for someone, a pray over a woman before. I've never seen that before. And she said, I want a man that prays for me. And just his presence being there is so powerful. Like there's something about, you know, I, as a, a father's heart, you know, and speaking into their identity. And um, there's a pastor in Houston that, part of Princess Day is the crowning, you know, and we crown them and we tell them about their value and worth. And this is at the end of the semester, but he um, does like a special prophetic crowning where it's like each individual girl and he doesn't even know them. He, he knows their names. That's it. He doesn't see them until that last Princess Day class. 
And, um, he does like a prophetic prayer and blessing over each one. And like, it is, he did it live at our gala last year and an embrace grace mom came, we were wrecked. Like when he put the crown on her head and said, dear, you know, daughter, uh, you're a daughter of a King. And just all of these amazing life words spoken over her. Like she was moved. It was just beautiful. Like men have roles, but even more so than that, like my husband, he loves, he's a really big money guy and he likes money guy, like not saying we have money, but that he likes, he loves budgeting finances, things like that. And there's a single mom we've kind of taken under a wing and he love he'll help her with her checkbook or give her, you know, advice on what she should spend next. You know, she's trying to build yeah. a business right now and stuff like that. It, there's so many different things. It's like looking at each person, like, are you an attorney? Maybe you want to uh, give your services to a single mom so she can battle out custody cases um, that are, are good, you know, that are, that are beneficial Mm -hmm. to both parents and, and, and to the child and, and all of that. I mean, there's, there's so much it's the, we limit it to just during the pregnancy, but Mm -hmm. we have to open our minds to what, what is our hobby? What is our passion? What is our job? You know, whatever that is. And how can I use that to help women um, be, Mm -hmm. or men to be able to feel empowered to parents, even with these men, like to just lead their family spiritually when, even if they're not with the mom, like they're, we yeah. need more dads in the world, like bad, we need more dads. It would change everything. So that's, that's our next goal is working on the guys and uh, we'll see okay. how I'm so excited about it. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you've developed that for them. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to hear how that goes. So I know that you have a lot of ways that we can support you, that people can get involved. Would you share a little bit about how people can, well, I guess just in general support you, mm-hmm. first of all, and then say they want to start a group if they don't have one, like what that process would look like? Okay. Well, first of all, so Helper Be Brave, we developed a podcast show and a book because like I had mentioned earlier in the show or broadcast that I had no idea there was a pro-life movement. And so I want to change that. I want to highlight all of these amazing organizations or just people that are doing mm-hmm. great things. And hopefully the, the people that are listening are, are it, they will be spurred to action. Like, oh my gosh, what she's doing with these kids in foster care or adoption or whatever it might be, abortion healing. I want to get involved in that and, and then giving them ways to connect and, and get that started. Yeah. So that listening to Helper Be Brave podcast show, you can watch on YouTube or you can um, subscribe through iTunes or Spotify. We also have the book, Helper Be Brave, Discover mm-hmm. Your Place in the Pro-Life Movement. Over 300 ideas are in there. You can um, get it through Amazon or um, embracegrace.com. And then also we have a really cool thing on helperbebrave.com that just released. It's a quiz. So basically you go to the quiz and take a little quiz. And because if you're like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't really, I, I don't have hobbies. Like, I don't know. Go take the quiz and it's about 40 or 50 questions, but it only takes you about 10 minutes or easy. And then it emails you a customized list of ideas of how to just get started in the movement. This is what we think, you know, if you're super strategic or if you're super relational, or if you're like an influencer and you're really good at like selling people on stuff and, and things like that, there, there is a place for you. And so it'll email you that customized list. Check that out at helperbebrave.com. 
Also with the book, Help Her Be Brave, you could also launch a book club. If you want to figure it out with your friends together, you could do a book club and on helperbebrave.com, there is is a way you can uh, request a, a book club launch kit. It's got all the things about how social media graphics, discussion questions, all the things that you could do it together. And y'all can all figure it out together and brainstorm together. It it will be really good. And then for Embrace Grace. So if you feel led to start a group, Embrace Legacy, the dad's group, Embrace Grace, which is for single and pregnant or Embrace Life, which is for single young moms. We have the digital curriculum. We have everything you need. And I know people, we we are on the phone with, with people that are interested all day long and the common thoughts are, you know, oh, if they knew my story, they probably wouldn't want me to lead or I've never led anything in my life. And the enemy starts lying to you. You have a place here and we made it super easy for you because it's digital curriculum. Like you just press play. March 18th through 21st. Mark your calendars, you guys. The Theology Pop-Up Shop is back. We only open the shop four times a year, and you get to pre-order all of our amazing theology and discipleship-related products. This year's shop, the first shop, is March 18th through 21st. You'll jump on the website, FeliciaMasonheimer.com, when we release all these products and place your order. About four weeks later, once we get them all in, we will ship them out to you. So it's a little bit different than your standard shop. It's not like Amazon, but it allows us to not hold stock in a warehouse. We're so stoked for what we have coming this time. T-shirts, zip-ups, hoodies, maybe even a little onesie in our Raising Tiny Disciples line, plus a new ebook on Easter, the history of the holiday and how to celebrate it, and so much more. I hope you'll join us March 18th through 21st. Watch your email. If you are in my newsletter community, you'll be the first to get notified when we open the shop. Otherwise, you can watch Instagram and Facebook and hop on the website during those dates to place your order. We're so excited to get these products in your hands. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes. 